Before today's Educator Escape episode, I wanted to bring something to your attention really quick. If your school, your classroom needs earbuds or headphones, please, please consider TFD Supplies. That's tfdsupplies.com and you'll get them for 55 cents each. That's right, 55 cents for your regular earbuds. You're already using them probably for testing, your school store, your library, all these places. 55 cents each you are not going to beat the price unconditional lifetime warranty free shipping anywhere in the usa over 500,000 earbuds in stock in 12 different color options please consider tfd supplies the next time your school your classroom needs earbuds and now today's episode Hello and welcome to the Educators Cave Podcast. My name is Seth Tripp and today is Thursday, November 1st, 2018. Thank you for listening in today. Hope everyone had a great Halloween. I got bunches and bunches of candy and watched spooky movies. In case you missed our episode on Tuesday, you missed a recap of the month of October. If you want to go back and listen to some of my favorite moments of the past month, click on the episode and give it a listen. Yesterday on the Educator Escape blog, I talked about why wealthy schools are trending away from technology and towards more person-to-person instruction. Go give it a read at educatorescape.com. After today's episode, go subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen into podcasts. I'm currently on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, and Spotify. After you have subscribed, go give the show a review. As of right now, you can only review on iTunes and Stitcher and comment on CastBox. Please take some time and review us on those sites. It helps our podcast grow. One note for those of you that listen on Google Play, Google is making some changes to how you listen to Google Podcasts. Google is phasing out the Google Play Store for podcasts and switching to their podcast app. So if Google is where you listen to your podcasts, make sure that you go and download the Google Podcast app to stay current with our podcast and any others that you listen to. You can also find the podcast on social media, after you subscribe, go search Educator Escape on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. After you find our page, hit the like button on Facebook and hit the follow button on Instagram and Twitter. Because the show is interview-based, I'm always looking for new and exciting guests for the podcast. If you know of somebody that is doing something awesome in education, please either message me on social media or email me at seth.educatorescape at gmail.com. Also, if you have any other suggestions or comments for the podcast, you can send them to me there as well. Today on Educator Escape, I'm talking to Dan Haig. Dan was a music teacher for 14 years in three different school districts in Indiana, but after budget cuts forced him to leave teaching, he found a new career in insurance. Dan and I have had a heart-to-heart discussion about why he decided to stop pursuing education, the lack of support he received, and the burnout effect that he experienced in his last year of teaching. We also talked about how his faith helped him realize that his identity shouldn't be found in his career. Here's my interview with Dan Haig. Did you go to high school? I went to Hamilton Southeastern High School in Fishers, Indiana. Okay. And if you don't mind me asking, I know that's a huge school now, but uh, what was that like when, when you were at school? So when I was in school, Fishers was a small but rapidly growing community. I think when I moved there in 1994, it was the fourth fastest growing community in all of the United States. Oh, my. And it 
Yeah, it was a it was a tiny school, little farm school that rapidly expanded. So by the time that I graduated, even though my graduating class had 300 and I think 63 students in it, that by the time I left, they were already in talks about creating a second school district in Fishers. And so now that they have done that, and uh, that's an enormous school as well. So it's uh, just been kind of amazing to see that rapid transformation. Right. I you know, I went to to Whiteland, and we haven't they didn't build a new high school, but my graduating class was 300, and then my brother, who was a freshman when I was a senior, his graduating class was closer to 600. Oh wow! So yeah, they were it was the two fastest growing school districts in the state were Hamilton Southeastern and and Whiteland. What is the last book that you read and finished? The last book that I read and finished was a book by novelist Andrew Clavin. It was it was basically his biography, and it was called The Great Good Thing. Andrew Clavin? Yeah, K-L-A-V-A-N. Okay, that's a name I've never heard of. Is that a, a famous name that I'm <laughs> that I'm ignorant of? Well, it's, I don't know how famous he would be, but he's he's written. A lot of uh, Bent novels that became movies, like I think he did, what did he do? Did he do Gone Girl? He might have done that one. You know what? I'm not coming up with the titles of the movies <laughs> that he's done off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's become an author, and it was basically about his, uh, his spiritual journey throughout okay. his life. It's a fascinating biography. Okay, very cool, very cool. What is one show that both you and your family can all agree to sit down and watch together and there's no complaining. <laughs> oh, without complaining. Yeah. That's a tall order. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think we all really like America's got talent. Uh, okay. that's kind of our guilty pleasure show. So we, we, we love to, we love to watch talented people that are great at what they do. So it's okay. Lately it's been uh Britain's got talent because all the judges on there are from England. I have made this very same point, and then very few of the contestants are are from the United States too. A lot of them are from other countries, and uh, I think that's that's kind of funny. But yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's a fun show. Okay, I have to ask you this because I know you're a, a music guy. What was your favorite band when you were a teenager? I mean, I guess I don't know if you'd call them a band, but uh, I was really into Clapton. So Eric Clapton. Okay. Um, I, think I had all of his albums. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed that. He has a, a large collection of people on stage with him when he performs, so I think that that qualifies. True. I remember when I was I did a mission trip to Mexico, and they had uh, in the restaurant we were at they had uh, a video of Eric Clapton playing with his band, and everybody was playing a kazoo, and I'll <laughs> and I'll never forget yeah, that. that I'll bet, uh, was that the San Francisco Bay Blues? Because I know that that, that does have some kazoo in it. Uh, oh, I, but yeah, I, that's, I couldn't tell you, but I just remember sitting in this Mexican restaurant and you look up and there's Eric Clapton playing a kazoo. And so <laughs> it was just strange to see in, uh, in Mexico. If you had 30 minutes of free time gifted to you, what would you do with it? Oh. I had 30 minutes of free time gifted to me. What would I do with it? I don't know. I can't remember the last minutes I had that were free. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it would have to be a gift, I believe. Wow. I, I'd probably spend the first few minutes in complete silence. Silence is something that's so rare. I would just treasure that, I think. And as a music guy, silence is, I think, a very important thing that we miss. And, you know, that may be a societal commentary as well, but I think just in modernity, we miss so much of that. And so I'd, I'd probably spend that just in quiet meditation. That would probably be followed by a bit of prayer. And then I'd probably read for a little bit, sipping some coffee. Okay. Get it de- disconnecting from from everything for a little bit. Yeah. You and I are on the same page with that. I need. I'm always on the computer with this, with the show and school and stuff. So, yeah, I feel you. I want to kind of get into who you are professionally, and I know that you're not a teacher anymore. What is it that you're doing now? Uh, right now, I'm a claims adjuster at an insurance company. Okay. Do people spend more than 15 minutes with you, and do they save at least 15%? Indeed, they do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Before that, you were teaching music. How long were you teaching music? Uh, 14 years. Okay. And why did you decide that 14 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you wanted to be a music teacher what drove you to want to pursue that well i had such a great experience with music in high school Uh, the high school that i went to had a fantastic music program not being very athletic i really found a niche there and that niche grew into a passion which grew into a massive passion (laughs) to the point where by the time that i was maybe a junior in high school i thought okay how can i just be involved in music for the rest of my life. And I found as much as I like to perform, I really got a kick out of helping the people around me. And so to combine that together, teaching was a natural fit. And I I just thought it was a very logical, natural progression. I just couldn't really see myself doing anything else. Tell me about your, your stops along the way. Where have you been? What have you done? You know, what, what are some sure. some some good memories that you have throughout the way? Well, following high school, you know, I, I went to Ball State University and got my Bachelor of Music Education there. And then on graduating, I went to a, a rural school district in central Indiana and taught at Eastern Hancock High School for about five years. And it's a, it was a small program, and I was in charge of grades 6 through 12. And so... Uh, it was just me. So I was the only band guy doing that. There was a choir director there. I was the only band guy. And it was fun to watch a tiny, really neglected music program that over those five years, I felt really grew and flourished into a larger and just more well-rounded uh, music experience for those kids. And uh, they really, they took to it greatly. They got They got excited about it. And for many of them, it, it provided an opportunity to uh, explore a side of themselves that they never knew that they could. It was very satisfying. Now, once those five years ended, I realized that, you know, just I, I needed to advance my career a little bit because by that point I had two small children. I was married at home and wanted to see 
you know, if, if I could branch out a little bit more and have a better opportunity, went out to uh, Sheridan High School, which is on the, the other side of Indianapolis from, from where I was teaching, mm-hmm. and spent a couple of years there and did some really good things. Our marching band had some great success there competitively. But after two years, uh, that's when the recession hit. It hit that little community pretty hard. And that school district had to reduce their force. And so uh, the superintendent came into my office one day, sat right across from me, looked me in the eye and said, Dan, we've done everything. I've taken pay and benefit cuts myself. Uh, We've done everything we could to not touch staff, but we can only offer you a part-time contract for next year, to which I said, and I really appreciate it, but, you know, I've got this family and, you know, you need to know that's not something I can do. And he completely understood and just asked if he could help me in my search along the way. And so uh, I resigned from there after my contract was reduced. And then um, later that year, I got hired on at a at a private Catholic school in Indianapolis. And uh, that's Bishop Chattard High School, where I spent the next six and a half years and then uh, it was, that was, it was a great challenge. I was, I was grateful to have found a job, but it was, it was a completely different atmosphere and it was very challenging to do the kinds of things that would make it successful that have been done in my previous two schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, by the time that those six and a half years were up, uh, over Christmas break, they had decided that it was very expensive and not worth their money to have two full-time music teachers teaching and so what they their solution to that was to reduce the course loads for both me and my colleague and then combine them so that she would take over all of the courses and they wouldn't have to pay out the rest of my contract so they they notified me uh over christmas break that i wouldn't be returning in january they would provide me a small amount of severance but that would be all they would do and not having the protections of the contract that a public school would do, you know, such as uh, union enforcement and so forth, I really had no recourse. So. At that point, I was trying to look for employment, and, and I thought, well, I, I'm a music teacher, it's what I do, and I looked around for music teaching jobs, but as few of them as there are at the end of a school year. <laughs> um, I mean, try finding them in January, and they're just right. not there. So, so at that point, I was really forced into exploring different career options. And my wife and I had a lot of conversations about my future as an educator, and you know what that would be for our family, and you know, is this the right thing? And ultimately, we decided, you know what, this is a chance for me to move into a different industry entirely. So got into insurance. I uh, started in March and I've, uh, I've been working at the same company now since then. And uh, here it is late October and I've here I'm 38 years old uh, embarking on a new career. Okay. So you're, are you, you're enjoying your new career? Yeah, I really am. You know, it took time over the months that I wasn't working. I, I will confess it was, it was kind of hard to reimagine myself, I guess, right. you know, for, for me personally, and maybe it's this way for a lot of people, I didn't realize how much of my own identity that I invested into what I do until I wasn't doing it anymore. Right. <laughs> and right. now, 
uh, after that, and then, okay, if I'm not Dan Haig music teacher, who is Dan Haig? Uh, so that was, that was more of the, the personal, spiritual side of things. And then following, following that now, I've, I've found that, that this job now is, it is very rewarding. And um, there's a lot that teaching did to prepare me for it. I find that I can make a difference there. So, you know, it's a, it's a really good experience. Well, very good. Uh, no, I I totally understand. I uh, When I took this job to do this, it pretty much came with the pretense that I would stop teaching. And I've definitely struggled for a while for this school year with that identity. What sort of things did you sort of use to help you really figure out, you know, what my identity isn't wrapped up in my career and made it easier for you to to make that transition? Well, it, it really was, you know, who who am I was really answered by my faith. Mm-hmm. So I I really sought that answer spiritually and it's who I am in Christ. And and finding that has come with a lot of peace that mm-hmm. wherever I am, if I'm if I'm remaining faithful uh, that, you know, he's able to work through me wherever I am in whatever position I'm doing. You know, lots of, lots of people in the, uh, in the Bible had lots of different jobs right? that may have seemed mundane. You know, they were, uh, the disciples, many of them were fishermen. Paul was a tent maker. Uh, Jesus himself was a carpenter. So I thought, well, you know, I shouldn't be limiting God. Say, you know, he can't use an insurance adjuster to, you know, make a difference in this world. So uh, that was that was kind of the piece that I came to with that. Cool. Oh, very cool. I think that it sounds like when you got into teaching, you got into teaching because you felt like it was your mission field in a way that you, that you could yeah that you could go into and think. I think like like I was saying, I think that's that's part of it is like what's my mission field going to be. That's really cool. So would you consider going back into teaching or is this, you feel like you've kind of found your, your niche? Well, I can't, you know, not, um, at at this point, I guess (laughs) I'm kind of cured of trying to predict the future and and map out (laughs) everything that God has for me. You know, that's, I think, uh, the past year has, has cured me of that. But what I can say is that I don't, I don't ache for teaching the way that I thought that I would. I haven't grieved it like I thought that I would. And maybe, and maybe your your listeners might understand that I'm, I'm you're catching me at kind of a cynical time and looking back over my teaching career. So there there are things that are painful to consider with it. I will always be a teacher in 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 a certain sense, but I don't really see myself eager to jump back into the classroom, mostly just for the volatility of it. And the sad realization that my excitement about making a difference and making an impact that, you know, uh, when I was young and, and kind of green, I thought I'd be doing. And, you know, the, the sad realization was that that happens so very rarely. And, and there's, there was a lot of discouragement in my experience that, that came with trying to do that. But I don't know if I'm, uh, if I'm ready to, to take that on again, unless, you know, unless God kind of moved me to, to do so, which if he did, I would do, but uh, barring that, if, uh, if I was 
asked to do that, I guess I'd have to ask God for some ID first. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, w- when you were teaching, did you, in the, and I know that you didn't choose to leave, but you didn't pursue it hardcore again, you know, like during the summer or anything, it sounds like, and you had kind of made that transition and that realization of switching to a new career. But if you had chosen to leave, and I guess you could look back at it now, uh, is there anything that you believe that somebody could have done that would, in your case, wanted you to like to keep you teaching? Did you, well, you, you know, is there any sort of burnout yeah. on your side or, or what? I guess burnout, yes, and and a lot a lot of that burnout came from just simply the um, from the situation I was in. I felt like uh, it wasn't easy for me to. I guess I don't know how to explain it. it. It wasn't easy for me to enact the things that I thought would be necessary for the kids to be successful. Um, I didn't feel like I was, you know, always taken seriously. I didn't see, uh, on a personal side, I didn't see any room for advancement in my career. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't had, haven't seen any increase in pay, including cost of living for about a decade or more. And, you know, and that's, when you're when that's what your family's relying on it's it's just a difficult place to be in so right. is there any one thing anybody could do i don't know i mean even if i had a a very supportive great school environment that believed very much in what i was doing and trusted me professionally with kids who appreciated that you know then would come the other side of it no one likes to say that you go into teaching for the money because you don't and i i didn't go into it for the money but you know, that has to factor into anyone's decision making when you have a family to support. No, yeah, absolutely. It's harder. So, you know, there'd be a, a number of things that would have to happen um, in order for me to to really feel good about going back. And even at that, you know, when I got into teaching right out of college, teaching was a stable profession. It was something that they thought, you know, uh, there are other industries you could go into that really weren't very stable career-wise, but, you know, teaching was more or less of a sure thing, and very quickly after starting in there, especially teaching music, it really wasn't, really wasn't that way. And now you, and now where you're at, you feel secure, and you feel stable, and you feel like you're really starting to engage in that new next step in your life. Yeah, uh, I really do. Uh, The company that I'm working for has been around since the Great Depression, and they've, they treat their customers and employees very well. I feel valued. I feel like I'm making a difference. Uh, one of the big things is, is that I'm rewarded for things that are within my control. And that's how I'm evaluated. As a teacher, that's something that's really elusive, uh, elusive as I'm sure you're well aware. Mm-hmm. That a lot of what we're evaluated on are things we can't control. You know, test scores, for example, standardized tests. I always likened it to, you know, what if we evaluated doctors the way they did teachers? Then, you know, doctors would be evaluated by how healthy their patients are. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's a very poor and ludicrous way of doing it. We wouldn't think of doing that with doctors, but we do with teachers all the time. But here, I feel though I'm in control of that which I'm being evaluated for. And, you know, just seeing that good performance translates into tangible rewards is a uh, that's a big thing. And then room for advancement, career stability, you know, and there was a time in my life when I thought that talking that way sounded like selling out, you know, 
but I've just realized that the that the loyalty I have, I've, I've got a loyalty to my family, mm-hmm. you know, to provide for them, and uh, this is this is a, a very important decision I had to make for them. I'm actually really happy for you. I'm happy to to hear that, and I'm glad to I'm glad we got to to talk about. It's supposed to be like highlighting things that teachers do and issues that teachers are having, and there's a there's been kind of a a recent a lot of recent articles about teacher burnout and teacher strikes and teacher shortages and and stuff like that and I thought that your story was kind of like kind of apropos to what's kind of going on right now. Yeah, it uh it's I think so and you know if I if I known it was going to be this way going into teaching, you know, I don't I don't know. <laughs> so the the sad truth the sad truth is is that I've had I've had students say, "Oh, you know, I want to be a teacher just like you. And, you know, I, I never did discourage those kids, but there was always a part of me that wanted to shout some kind of warning at them. Like, it's not what you think. (laughs) But, you know, in the end, I also know that my personal experience is, is unique to me. And there, there may be others who have similar stories, but I also don't want to discourage good people from getting into a profession that they feel called to do, that they may well find a lot of great success in and and do great things. So, you know, far be it for me to talk somebody out of it, but especially based on just my own perspective. But, you know, there are some there are some stark realities and I'm glad that people like you are, are highlighting some of the real unique challenges that education and educators face. Thank you, Dan, for talking to me today and opening up about your struggle. I wish you the best in your new career. Thank you all for listening in today. If you'd like to keep track of the show on social media, search Educator Escape and hit the follow button on Instagram and Twitter and hit the like button on Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. One should be the first to get all of our new episodes. After you have subscribed, go give us a review. It helps us get noticed. If you know of any educators who are doing exceptional work and you would love for them to be highlighted on the podcast, please let me know by emailing me at seth.educatorescape at gmail.com, and I would love to feature them on the show. Yesterday on the Educator Escape blog, I talked about why wealthy schools are turning away from technology and towards more person-to-person instruction. Go give it a read at educatorescape.com. Today's quote is short, but wise and powerful. Whatever you are, be a good one. Abraham Lincoln. Thank you all for listening in today. I look forward to everybody joining me next Tuesday for our next show. Have a great day. I'm out of here.